When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Velvet Machete Leadership Podcast. Become a confident, compassionate leader while sharpening your brand from the inside out. It's time to gear up to learn from expert guests and your host, Amber Hurdle. Welcome or welcome back to the Velvet Machete Leadership Podcast, where we help you identify how to be both confident and compassionate in this crazy, fast-paced, weirdo life that we live in these days. Today, I have a very special guest because she is a dear friend of mine and has been, we decided, for about 20 years. Long time. About 20 years. Long time. Um, And Sharon is a licensed clinical therapist. So you know that we're getting into some of my favorite topics today. And she has an additionalized special addition. Can I talk today? (laughs) Let's just start over. Sharon, my girl, Sharon, she's super cool, first of all. But what you need to know about her is she's not just a licensed clinical therapist. She actually has a very specific certification in eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which you might have seen before, talked about on Instagram or all the different channels where we get this kind of cool information, EMDR therapy. And that's for the treatment of PTSD and trauma. So a little foreshadowing on what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, She's honed her skills beginning in 2002 with psychiatric hospital counseling, and she counseled those who experienced deep trauma uh, during her time as a director of mental health for the Tennessee Prison for Women, you can imagine. Following that, she has led to private practice and has actively seen clients for the past 20 years, and she is a published author. She is a mother, a grandmother, and a community member in our beloved Wilson County, where we live and have lived since forever. Mm -hmm. And I think after you experience Sharon today, you will understand um, that she's just a very warm, caring, wise, competent woman who has found her calling as a therapist. And I want to put also a little asterisk that she's who I refer my coaching clients to when I feel like we've gone past coaching and we need to bring in therapy. She is on the recommended resources list in um, when people take my Velvet Machete Leadership Academy and also our monthly membership. um, Our members are referred to her as well. And she does do virtual counseling. So right. welcome to the podcast, Sharon. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for having me. And thank you for um, just always showing up and being willing to support what I'm doing. So thank you for that. Oh, back at you, back at you. This is a woman you want in your corner. I'm just telling you. So <laughs> thank you. Very much. We're going to cover um, really today. We're going to talk about how trauma, big T, little T, and we'll get into that how trauma impacts our lives as an adults, as professionals, as we're pursuing the life that we really want to step into. But I think we need to have some basic like coverage of, of definitions, because this could be some people's first understanding of what is this all even about. So um, hang in there with us today, because I think you're going to 
even if you're experienced, you've been in therapy like me since the beginning of time, you will get something out of it. But if you've never even had the thought to go to therapy, that might change today. So starting out, what is cognitive behavioral therapy? Well, thank you so much again. Cognitive behavioral therapy um, says to us that what you think impacts the way you think and the way you behave. Okay. So basically not that complicated, but we have to really think about how important is that? How does that inform your life today? What we really believe about ourselves is called our core schema or our negative schema, which pretty much is the negative things that are limiting to us. So from some experience, likely from some kind of trauma or some kind of profound experience when you're young, you learn to believe Um, something about yourself that may or may not be true. But in that moment, it became ingrained into your being such things as I'm not good enough. I am a failure. I'm not lovable. uh, I'm a loser. There's something inherently wrong with me. I am damaged. All these kinds of things. And there's all variations of that. Um, But those are the words that you will hear in your head as an adult now that are speaking to you basically from the past. And then when you hear those words, that does determine what you think about yourself, about your situations, and then how are you going to behave accordingly? Mm. So that's what the basis is. So the the goal is to look at what is your core belief? Is that that accurate or is that not accurate? So that's the, the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's why when we think about therapy, we, we think about like, I'm going to lay on the couch. That doesn't really happen. I mean, (laughs) and then, and then I'm going to be asked about my childhood and like, I don't want to talk about my childhood. That has nothing to do with anything, but it does. Yes, it does. Very much it, so, That's right? where it all begins. That's yeah. right. I have to tell a funny joke. I do have a, a couch. I have a couch and a love seat in my office, <laughs> and nobody ever lays down on the couch except for I do during lunchtime and take a nice little nap <laughs> to rejuvenate for the afternoon. So when you have a mature therapist, that might be what's going on on her couch. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know where that couch thing started, but nobody ever lays down on the couch. However... You're welcome to do that in my office. If you, if you <laughs> well, and same, same. I've, I've had people put their feet up. <laughs> and, you know, therapy is not about parent bashing. I always say that it's not about parent bashing. I, I choose to believe that parents do the very best that they can with what they know or what the abilities that they have. That's right. um, and that's just really important to realize. I've laughed and said parents don't stay up nights just to figure out ways to foul up their children. Number one, parents are too tired to stay up all night long to do anything, (laughs) but they don't try to harm their children. But the truth is, you know, we learn the most about relationships and about ourselves from the, from birth until about age five or six. And where's that happening? Most of the time, most of the time that's in the home. Um, especially if a child is, has to stay at home mom, now that has changed over the past generations, but I think we're swinging back more toward that. But regardless, most of that time comes from our time in the home and with our parents. So um, as a mother and as a grandmother, I'm an advocate for all of us. They're doing the very best that we can out there. But um, when I speak with my clients, it's something that's happened. It's generally from the family, it's from the parent, it's from the, the dynamic between the parent and the sibling, all these kinds of things. So it's not necessarily just what the parent does, but it's what's going on into the, in that home, that family of origin that, that has a strong impact. We do not know why certain things impact some people strongly. And if the same thing happened to another person, it would not impact them so strongly. 
we don't have the science that teaches us that, AKA why does somebody get post-traumatic stress disorder and somebody else does not? We don't know. It has nothing to do with your personal um, strength or character. It's got to be something to do with neurobiology that we've not figured out yet. Um, Fortunately, even though we don't know why it happens, we do know how to help get it better. So if I had to choose, I would choose to get to know the treatment versus the cause. But I'm so grateful that there are a lot of successful trauma therapies out there. And um, if you have a decision that you want to go back and look at where that came from and how that's informing your life, and if it's doing so negatively, that there are wonderful ways to get yourself straightened out with that and can begin living your life from a more honest um, present tense place in your life. Yeah. And, and also we could probably even, ex- so, so much, and this was our pre-conversation, so much of what I find in my practice of coaching is, are those parental wounds. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but let's also just put out on the table, teachers, uh, spiritual, religious, um, authorities, mm-hmm. um, coaches. Mm-hmm. That's the word, the authority in your life. The authority. That's the person yeah. that you look up to, the person that you want to say, good job, Amber. That was a really good job or great job, Sharon. You did well. We look to please the authority people in our lives. Mm-hmm. We say that as children, we probably have that in ourselves now if we really want to look at it. But yes, who is it? And that can, like you said, it's your parents, it's your extended family, your aunts, uncles, your grandparents, right. yeah. you know, your, your church people, your preacher, your Sunday school teacher, your, you know, your teacher. I can remember my teacher. She was really something. You know, if I saw her in town, it was just like, oh, she's their teacher is the greatest thing. So all those authority figures have um, that can be very positively impactful for us or could be somewhat negative. What we know from research is if a person, a child has a negative home life, it can be somewhat counteracted if there's a strong, positive person in your life otherwise. Right. If it's a neighbor, if it's your friend's family, if it's your teacher, I'll, you know. So we wonder how can some of these people come from such horrific homes, these very successful people, uh, it's because generally they will have had a very, very strong, positive person in their life otherwise. Yeah. So that's the good news. Yeah, and I always prayed that, especially for Brittany, because I, you know, if you're watching this, you probably know my story. I had her when I was 16. I worked a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't necessarily have that other parent figure in her life. So I was constantly praying that God would bring people in her life who would step in as an additional parental figure, mm-hmm. somebody who could be whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I also will text message her. I'm like, I'll find something online and be like, sorry for that mother wound. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did that. I'm pretty sure I did that to you. Mm-hmm. Read that. We talk. Um, so it is, it's like, you know, you're, you're doing the best you can. Your parents have done the best they could, their parents. And then it all kind of trickles down because they behave this way because of how they were, you know, how they experienced their childhood. So now here we are and we are, let's just focus on us. Please don't beat yourself up or worry about how your kids are going to turn out. Cause they're going to be okay. I promise. They are. Um, <laughs> they might not be perfect, but they're going to be okay. So now that we know what cognitive behavioral therapy is, here we are adults. We're trying to be high achieving. Most of my audience, high achieving adults, they really want to accomplish something in their lives and their career. How is that trauma from childhood? What does that look like? How does it impact us today and limit or push us 
in certain directions. Okay. That's a great question. Um, just as, as with any other person, it, in, it does inform how you live your life today. Meaning, uh, if you believe that you are not good enough and that you have to constantly achieve and constantly perform to feel good enough, that's a two-way street. One way is you can achieve many, many, many things, but also you might be so exhausted and never full that you're, you're on the hamster wheel going, 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 going. And you're never self-satisfied. That's correct. That's because, because the trauma might've been, I can never make my mom happy. Mm-hmm. I can never get my mm-hmm. dad's attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't important. Correct. And so you're trying to fill that black hole that can never be filled. So what happens is you just become exhausted you do all the things that you think that you want to achieve and you and you do it and you're great and you're capable and competent and that's wonderful and do that. But if you're trying to, I always say, if you're trying to heal an inside wound from the outside, it's not going to work. You have to heal your inside wound from the outside. There's no matter what you do, say, have, um, achieve, it won't take care of that inside wound. So you have to go inside and find that space and heal that within yourself. And then you can even more enjoy all of your accomplishments. Accomplishments are wonderful, but it's not going to fill that hole in your soul. Yeah. I find that in my coaching practice, individual and group coaching, that typically I'm like, well, congratulations because of your wound. That's why you're so successful because you would not work that hard if you weren't trying to satisfy your mom, you know, like whatever that is. That said, it's time to heal that. Right. Still, you can be a bad mama jamma, but let's not do it from a place of um, desperation or mm-hmm. validation. Mm-hmm. Let's do it for the sake of the fact that you are able to serve another human being Absolutely. through your talents. Absolutely. So now, and that's when I'm usually like, you should call my friend Sharon. <laughs> well, so. yeah, what you're describing is being on that hamster wheel, but it's so exhausting. It it's, it's just constant work, constant strife, constant struggle. And it's sad because you can't appreciate all of your wonderful accomplishments because it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. You want to do this and you want to do five more things and you're capable, but you're not satisfied. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Am I satisfied? Am I, am I content? Am I at peace with what I'm doing in my life? Yeah. So you see all the move, the memes on Instagram and, you know, wherever you do your social media. Um, we were joking. We're old. We're on Facebook. <laughs> now I go out networking. They're like, let me find your Instagram. I'm like, can what? we just get on Facebook? Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Anyways, whatever you're snapping or TikToking or whatever you cool oh, yeah. kids are doing. Yeah. Um, I'd say most of my audience is probably in our, in our space, but you see that I am enough and people post that. And so you can post that meme, but Sharon, how, how can you take steps to move towards that actually being your truth? Or maybe it's not, I'm enough. If you're somebody like me, it's like, I'm not too much. Oh, okay. A different twist. That's because you can can get that message sent Mm -hmm, to you mm -hmm, as well. mm -hmm. Well, I think it's just really important to figure out who you are. Who or who you are? Ask yourself, and we're you know we're talking about earlier maybe some action steps. So, um, if you feel like there is something 
that you truly believe about yourself that may not be true? Because that's questionable. Okay, sure, if I really believe it's true, why don't I think it's not be, not true? Because there's going to be, there's messages out there that you're receiving um, consciously and unconsciously. If there's something really negative about you that you believe that you hear in your head, you hear yourself speaking to yourself over and over, the words will be the same thing repeatedly for a same person. Uh, for somebody, it might be, I'm not good enough. And they'll hear that over and over and over in their own heads for somebody else. But it's really important when you're doing this work to figure out what are the exact words that you're saying to yourself that are so negative and that are holding you back. Uh, so you have to really look at, and I want to invite you to take the time and commit this time to yourself for your self-growth um, to figure out what is, what is my truth? What is the truth about me? These are the positive things I see about myself. These are the things that I see that are negative. Um, and take a look at that. Take a look at that. Ask your friends, the people that you really, really trust, ask them what they see in you, people that you can trust enough to be vulnerable with. Because so many times we cannot see in ourselves what others see in us. Um, so that's really an important uh, source of information because all you know is what you know, and you're trying to double check that. So put up those things down, write them down, speak them out. I'm a big believer in that. If you write it out or speak it out, your thinking then becomes linear. Mm -hmm. It's no longer circles around and around and around in your brain going nowhere fast. Oh, but Sharon, that's my favorite way to have insomnia. Well, yes, it is. is. To just <laughs> let it all rattle around and endlessly. It, like the... It goes faster and faster and bigger and bigger. Mm. So no. And literally, I know you're kidding, but this is truth. I tell my uh, clients, keep a journal, a pen and paper by your bed. And whatever you're worrying about, sit up, put on your glasses, write it down. And it's there. It will be there for you in the morning. When you want to worry about that, it'll be there. But for right now, you just rest your head. It's there waiting for you. So seriously, the worst time for racing thoughts is at that time mm -hmm. when people get really worked up and their brains get going and then you can't sleep. And of course, when you can't sleep, everything else is not good. Right. I've always said the very best medicine for anybody, for anything is a really good night's sleep because tomorrow things are going to look better. So you're absolutely right. Uh, so let's write it out. Let's speak it out. Let's record it in some way that's outside of our, out of our minds. Okay. And definitely give yourself credit for the things that are positive. Okay. And we're looking at these things that are realistically, we don't want to be overly um, inflated. We don't want to be arrogant, but we don't want to be um, so humble and self-critical. We just want to be honest. And finding that honest place is the biggest challenge. We call that keeping an even scoreboard. Okay. You can't just record the fouls and, and mm -hmm. the, you know, whatever. All penalties. The penalties. Yeah. Thanks. Timeouts, I don't know. Yeah. You also <laughs> like give yourself credit for your first downs. Absolutely. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Pick a sport. Baskets. That's right. Goals. Goals. So, so, okay. So, so far we are recording what our thinking is. So the, the limiting belief that we're telling ourselves or the idea that we're believing. And then the next step is to be honest about what's really happening. Correct. So what mm -hmm. evidence is there to support or refute mm -hmm. this thought mm -hmm. that I'm having? Right. Okay. Um, I liken it to, if you were going to be in a courtroom and if you're trying to prove or disprove a point, you know, what is the evidence? So we get to play attorney here for a minute. You know? nice. Well, this says this, and that says this, and, you know, lay out the evidence. And when you really look at the evidence, what does that say to you? Not what you 
think is true, but what is the evidence on? Sometimes it might be exactly what you think. Sometimes it's completely different because what has happened, we hear those old voices. There's a country music song. I don't know what it is. If I did, I would tell you, but it says, I hear voices. And it's talking about not hallucinations, but the voices of their parents or their people that have helped raise them. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting because those, those live, those live through us as long as we continue to listen to it. So find out what is your personal truth and what is what you've believed all of your life and look at it is what I've always been told. Is that true? Mm -hmm. If it is, then it is. We can't change that. We can't make something be that's not okay. Mm -hmm. But if it's, we can say, well, this is, we can just, excuse me, say something negatively that really isn't negative. So I'm not trying to say there are no negative things in life. There are many of them, sadly to say. But if you have this real negative, continuing negative thought about yourself, I want you to look at that, recognize what it is, say those words, write it down, and then let's take a look at it. Let's go to the courtroom. Let's find out if it's true. Let's ask our witnesses who are our friends, mm -hmm. is this true? And it may be that it is, and it may be that it isn't. If it is not true, then if you so choose, you want to change that and work through that and find out what is the truth. What is the truth? You let loose of the, if you let loose of the untruth, you have to find what is the truth. And from that place, you're going to be able to live a healthier, fuller life. I love that. And I believe that. And, and I try to practice that. Not always successfully because mm -hmm. we're not perfect people. Mm -hmm. um, but so I have another question related to that because here we are so casually talking about trauma. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, we deal with it all the time. So there's also the side of things where, like, I am undeserving of recognizing this as trauma because. I lived a middle-class, upper-middle-class mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sexually abused. Mm -hmm. My house never burned down in a fire. I didn't lose somebody in 9-11, mm -hmm. to mentioned earlier. Like, there was no big, like, you know, my grandparents died, as most grandparents do. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had a normal life, right. and yet right. I still have these limiting beliefs and this negative self-talk and these things that hold me back from stepping into my greatness. But that's little trauma, Right. Little right. T little trauma. Um, no trauma is little, but little T trauma is kind of how we differentiate between like I was raped mm -hmm. or I went through war or something mm -hmm. and the nuances of interpersonal relationships as you're growing up and that impact it has right. on you. So can Absolutely. you kind of like justify this for Absolutely. us? Um, so many times people think if they haven't had a huge trauma, a capital T trauma, that they haven't had trauma mm -hmm. uh, and then, or they want to discount. Well, I've had this bad thing happen to me, but so many people have had so much worse. Yes, they have, mm -hmm. but that doesn't discount the fact that you've had trauma, right? So we, again, we don't want to compare our trauma to somebody else's trauma. Um, but the problem with that is that they don't even realize they've had trauma and as a result, don't know how to go about resolving it. Mm -hmm. So recognizing what's happened, I'll tell you one example. Um, somebody has told me that she was a you know, young woman, lived a, a very comfortable middle-class life, all these things. Um, when the county fair came along that year and they were going to have the, the little beauty pageants that they have, that her parents told her that if you'll look really pretty and act really good, then you will win the um, the beauty contest just like your older sister did. Oh, no. So many layers there. 
<laughs> and then that'll be great. Well, the little sweet little precious girl didn't win like her big sister did. She got in the top 10 <laughs> of a thousand children, but that little girl thought, I'm not okay. I am not good enough. I don't have a crown and I didn't get flowers like my sister did. She was five years old and that has stuck with her for life and really caused her to um, miss the beauty of her life, to constantly try to prove herself to others. Um, and she was really unsatisfied and unhappy. And it's so sad. Would you call that big trauma? No, that's little T trauma. But for that woman, it was just as negatively impactful as, as someone else who had had um, been a victim of a crime or one of those big T traumas that we talk about. So please don't discount what your feelings are. Um, and that may sound unusual to you because as I've said, I've worked with female inmates and they have had trauma that you would not believe. I've worked with a lot of patients in my private practice. There's a lot of big trauma, but that woman's trauma is just as life altering as the big T trauma. So please give yourself the opportunity to look at what's happened in your life and how it impacted you. And please don't judge that. Yeah, that's so, so good. And, and I hope really lands with our listeners or those viewing on, on YouTube, um, because this does impact your decision-making. It impacts how you show up in relationships. Mm -hmm. As an example, when I'm, when I'm working with, um, like a leader and an employee, um, I have to remind them that that's the reaction that you're getting in the moment but they're not reacting to you. Mm -hmm. They're reacting mm -hmm. to mom, dad, coach, mm -hmm. teacher, whoever, who made them feel that way. And it's coming at you, but none of that is right. You might've said something that triggered it, but that that's not for you. And so, I mean, obviously there's adult responsibility on the one hand, but also just understanding that. And if you have, if you have the book bombshell Businesswoman available everywhere, but Amazon probably be the easiest. I talk about this when we are talking about our employees, but in, in this context, I talk about it as a customer. So it's, it's, um, chapter 16, captivating customer service. And on page 183, um, I want you to think about it like this, because yes, we need to have this awareness for ourselves, but show the grace to others who also have trauma in their lives. That's informing their behavior. Everyone carries drags, <laughs> a wagon behind them full of their experiences. Mm -hmm. And then what I like to say is depending on how much they've sorted through that wagon that they're dragging around in life, that's informing how they behave. They also have a bucket of expectations. Mm -hmm. And so somebody who might have been doing their work, maybe they've worked with Sharon. They're they're They know how to fill their own bucket. Mm -hmm. But the people who have all this stuff and they're dragging around in their wagon, they have an empty bucket. Mm -hmm. And so they need you to fill it, right. which isn't healthy. It's not possible. And so as a leader, you're not a therapist. You're not a Sharon. As a leader, you have somebody on your team who has this really heavy wagon that you see that they're carrying every single day in every single mm -hmm. interaction. And they have this empty bucket. Is it my job to fill their bucket? No, it's not your job to fill their bucket. How do I teach them to fill their own bucket? Well, you have to 
number one, help them understand they have an empty bucket. <laughs> okay, number yeah. one, because they don't know that. Right. They don't know that. You can be willing to add to their bucket if you so choose and think it's appropriate, but it's not your job to fill their bucket. Again, only a person can fill their own bucket. You can add to mine, but I have to do my work to be able to keep it filled. I'm filling my bucket. What you give me is just a little icing on the top, and that's really nice. But I can't, nor can you, nor can anybody else fill somebody else's bucket. You're exactly right. We were talking about when somebody over responds to something in the moment that you know is an over response, they're being triggered back to whatever their negative belief is or back to what their trauma felt like, uh, emotionally speaking. So when somebody is really responding over and above, you can understand that they've been triggered something in their in their belief about themselves or their past experience. So it's really good to recognize that. You don't want to respond to that because that's nothing about you. Uh-huh. So what is a good, like what's some verbiage that you can use? You're interacting with somebody, maybe it's a peer, maybe it's your spouse mm-hmm. and you feel the wrath of their ex mm-hmm. on you or, or like something, something happened in your past that yeah. has nothing to yeah. do with me, mm-hmm. but I'm catching the heat. Mm-hmm. What's some verbiage that you can use to honor what's happening and not provoke and Mm -hmm. not shame, Mm -hmm. but still create some awareness that this isn't for me? I can, you can say something like, I can recognize that what just happened here is very painful for you or very frightening for you or causes you a lot of anger. I'm not really sure what that's about. Is there something I can do though for you right in this moment to help you with that? Mm, that's good. So you're, you're honoring your experience, mm-hmm. validating better words and offering support mm-hmm. without, without taking, taking responsibility. responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. Ding, 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 so ding. Validate their experience and their feeling because it is very real to them. Very. Um, yeah, don't take responsibility. Basically, I know this isn't about me and, and I'm okay with that. If you want, if you want and need my support, I'm here to offer it to you. And what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. And don't assume, right? Absolutely. They may not want, they yeah. may not want you to support. They want you to just think that they're angry at you and that's what they want to believe. So but you, that you let them know that you know that's not what it really is, that you setting a boundary and then offering your support if they want to, if they want to accept it. So I've got another question as a, um, as a recovering codependent, um, you know, we think of codependency and people think like, oh, I need to be needed. And I could be wrong on this. You correct me, but codependency to me, what I finally figured out because my therapist is pretty, um, lots of machete, not a lot of velvet with me. She knows I can take it. (laughs) She knows that's how I perform best, (laughs) but she was like, well, that's really arrogant of you that you, that you Mm -hmm. think that you can fix that for Mm -hmm. everybody, that you are savior Mm -hmm. to the world Mm -hmm. and you get to show up in your cape and make choices for somebody Mm -hmm. else's life better than the choices they're making for themselves. That is arrogant. It is pretty arrogant. Mm -hmm. So when I try to fix everybody else's lives, I'm -hmm. like, stop being arrogant, Amber. So when we're talking about trauma and you know that somebody has trauma and you so want them to feel better mm-hmm. and you lean towards the codependency side of things, mm-hmm. what do we do to protect ourselves? 
who might be a little more empathic. Mm -hmm. You want to fix it. They're not choosing to fix it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like they're on a trajectory to fix it. How do we protect ourselves from somebody else's unresolved trauma they don't want to deal with? I think what you're asking me is this. You have to recognize that if you're working harder to fix or heal someone than they are themselves, you're out of bounds. Right. Okay. So you need to know that's how you step back. And just because that's what you want for you and what you want for them, it's not what they want for them. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, one of the things we learned early on in therapy school is start where they are. Mm-hmm. Just because I want that for you doesn't mean that you want that for you. Mm-hmm. So you have to step back and not impose your desires for their life on them. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? That total sense. So be there if they want your help and are able in any way to identify that and ask for it. Be present to do what you can and be available if you choose to, Mm -hmm. if you choose to. But you can't go in and save somebody who doesn't want to be saved or fixed. Yeah. Um, Now, professionally, I can very easily say I can't care more than you care. Correct. Or as a volunteer, I can tell an organization I can't care more than you care. I'm not giving my time if you Mm -hmm. as an organization don't care about Mm -hmm. this. So that's Mm -hmm. an easy but personally Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at all of you ladies who meet that man and think that you can rescue him. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, hard pass from Sharon Grosh. Yeah. We want to be able to end relationships to add to each of the one to the other not to fix or rescue or save because right. that's a whole nother ball game. But I see who he can be. I know, and I love him. I just love him. Well, I know. And that's wonderful. And I will, and I say, you know, just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you need to be in relationship with them or that you're good for each other. Right. So we have mm-hmm. to look beyond all that. Yes. Say it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have talked about what is cognitive behavioral therapy. We have talked about how trauma impacts how we exist as adults, even if it was from way back in the day. And, and you mm-hmm. said that typically the, like the most impactful is like birth, birth to six, six years mm-hmm. old. So we're talking like, we're getting the way back machine way back. for some of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about steps to overcome it. We've talked about how that might look in the workplace and, um, and how we can interact with team members who might be experiencing maybe not experiencing trauma. How would you say that? But they're being easily triggered, easily triggered based because of their trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've talked about some personal stuff too. So what else do we need to know? Or before we go, even kind of that question, how do I know that it's probably, unless you're Amber, because I'm like, well, I just think everybody should be in therapy. Even when you're the healthiest and there's nothing going wrong, I feel like you should be in therapy. I mean, that's just, I can't pour into other people's cups if my cup's not full. So, um, but let's say you're not an Amber Mm -hmm. and that's just like, oh, that's for broken people. Mm -hmm. How do you know when is the right time to engage a therapist? Okay. That's a wonderful question. Um, It's easiest said when you say, uh, how do you decide when you need to go to your primary care physician? Because you're feeling badly. And if you're feeling badly, you don't think, well, it's just really as weak to go see my primary care physician. And people will tell are going to talk about me. So I'm probably not going to do that. Mental health is the same as medical health. 
Um, when you re- it takes a stronger person to say, hey, something's going on with me and I need some help. We will do that in any other part of our life. Right. If I need help um, building a house, I'm going to call a contractor. If I need brain surgery, I'm going to go see a surgeon. If I need to get my hair done, I'm going to go see the hair guy or the nail guy or whatever. We won't do that with mental health, and I'm not really sure why that is. I think something about the word mental is off-putting to people. Mm-hmm. So if you choose to, you don't have to have a mental illness to come into therapy. You're just having a problem. You're looking to an expert for a solution. And that is what we do in every other walk of our life. So I want to invite you to push that, those old, antiquated ideas aside and say, I'm a smart person. I have resources, I'm going to ask for help. And if I don't have resources, there are resources out there for me. I deserve to take good care of myself. It is as important to take care of the way I think and the way I behave as it is the way that I function in my physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, just as a well-experienced uh, patient <laughs> um, and Sharon has been there in beautiful ways for me uh, as well. And I've seen several over the years, but, and I'm very open about this. Everybody knows like I have ADD. So that that's a whole ringtail tutor of exciting (laughs) things to unpack on a daily basis. And how do you work within that context and not feel like you're an idiot? Mm -hmm. Cause I genuinely believed, I genuinely believed before I was diagnosed with it as an adult, that I had a dirty little secret that everybody thought that I was smart Mm -hmm. and intelligent and that I knew I was actually dumb. Mm-hmm. So you were so afraid somebody would learn the truth. Somebody's going to learn the truth. And mm-hmm. all I had to do is be like, oh, well, you have diabetes and you have high blood pressure right. and I have ADD. That's right. And so now I've got to figure out how to like live in the world of non-ADD with my ADD. So right. it's fine. Mm-hmm. So now it's no big deal. I have anxiety, mm-hmm. clinical anxiety, mm-hmm. not kind of like, oh, I say I have anxiety. Like I have I anxiety. And so that's a whole mm-hmm. cornucopia of exciting right. things to contend with. And, you know, everybody thinks my life is all glamorous and perfect at all times. It's not. It's not. And, uh, and I try to be open and vulnerable about that. And then because of the ADD, and then you have the anxiety, then that fuels the mild OCD that a lot of people who have ADD or ADHD have, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really manifest itself as ugly, but when you're talking about anxiety and OCD, it is that it's more of the obsessive thinking, right. not necessarily like washing hands or flipping the top And off. OCD is an anxiety disorder. Yes. So those things go hand in hand, hand. hand. and people don't realize that they, they are, they're sisters, uh-huh. OCD and, and the generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. So that's a lot of, that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like put it all in a blender and that's Mm -hmm. my life. It's Mm -hmm. not as perfect as everybody Mm -hmm. thinks it is, but it also doesn't, it, I also have a bad hip, but I don't stop walking or lifting weights. Like it's not, it's not something that prevents me from going to where I I need to go. It's just something I need to be aware of. And you need to get assistance. You, you see, seek help for your hip. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and you seek help for your anxiety and your ADHD. Mm-hmm. That is wise. Mm-hmm. That is wise. So I share that. She knows so much about me, but I share that because I don't want you to think like, I don't have a big enough problem because I have anxiety. And yet I do for a living, like the number one fear in the world. It's public speaking. Public speaking. <laughs> yeah. So you cannot assume about yourself 
you can't assume about other people in your life that they're just peachy keen. Okay. And that there are no mental health things. Like, Mm -hmm. is it possible that people have zero mental health challenges? Well, no, because we all have mental health. So we all have mental health challenges. That's right. Okay. (laughs) So some of us have diabetes, some of us have arthritis, Mm -hmm. some of us have, you know, whatever's going on, uh, eczema, whatever. We all have a thing. Oh yeah. So could, it's safe to say everybody has a mental health say I would say so. Absolutely. Uh, I always often say, you know, therapy is like going to the dentist, you know, the sooner you find out you have a cavity and get it fixed, the easier and quicker mm. that's going to happen. So good. Okay. So if you wait to have a raging toothache, it's going to be a, it's going to take a little while longer. I love it when people are insightful enough to come in early on, uh, especially couples therapy. If they come in and they still kind of like each other, we're going to have a lot better uh, probably um, result. But yeah, when you realize something's wrong and maybe I should talk to somebody or if somebody says, hey, I'm your friend and I care about you, but I think you need to see a therapist, pay attention to that. Go mm-hmm. ahead, go in and take care of it. The sooner you take care of these things, the longer you can enjoy a happier life. Yeah. And I want to add too, and I'm, you know, I follow people on Instagram because I'm obsessed with human behavior. Um, and there is this trend on social media that you can self-heal. I'm not saying it's not possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not possible. But having a conversation, there is value to having a conversation and sometimes just hearing yourself say what you believe and having that validated Mm -hmm. by somebody who is experienced and educated and helping you and how you perceive that. Mm -hmm. You can't get that off Instagram. That's right. Well, (laughs) and that's true. Again, you know, we can... (laughs) And any other thing, we can look up probably how to build a house. And I can see that on YouTube, but I'm probably not going to do a really great job. That's right. I just don't have that kind of that kind of skill. So, yeah, I mean, you just want to go ahead. We don't have to reinvent every wheel. Yeah. You know, there's there's answers out there. We just have to go seek them. And yes, you're going to have to do your own work. You know, I always tell my my patients, I'm the coach. But you have to do the run the ball. That's so right. To speak. And I'm not even an athlete. I don't know why we're talking about athletes. I'm a female audience for two. I'm we're talking the coach. About you can, I can tell you, but you have to run the ball. So that's healing. That is your part. You have mm-hmm. to be doing that work. Um, but you likely are going to need some some kind of guidance to do that, some coaching to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Now, again, OCD Amber, um, who interacts with a community of primarily powerful, driven, overachieving females. They're powerful, whether they understand they're powerful or not, they're powerful women. Mm -hmm. And so is there such a thing as doing, because I'm always like, do your work, you got to do your Mm -hmm. work, you got to do your Mm -hmm. work. Is there such thing as overdoing your work? Do you get a break? break? (laughs) You can overdo anything. We can overdo anything, anything that's positive, anything that's negative, you know, exercising and running are wonderful for our health. But if you do it until you, you know, you injure yourself, that's not good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So balance in all things, the healthiest life is a balanced life. Uh, the best analogy is that the grandfather clock that sits in my den, it's little it pendulum just does this. It doesn't swing way over the side. It's just right in balance. It just keeps the time. So yes, balance in all things, my friend. That's the key. I need to fix this now. <laughs> well, Why can't I get through this now? Because things take time. 
You need to breathe and go through the steps. That's right. And the only way through it is through it. Amen. Is, you know, right. Especially grief, which you've oh, specialized yes. and have yes. experienced yes. yourself. So yeah, you can't get to the, you have to go through it to get to the other side. Yeah. You cannot outrun it. You can't wait it out. It will always be there for you. And if you try to go around it or burrow a hole mm-hmm. under it, it, it just isn't going to work. Right. So um, it, it can be painful. It, yeah. Being vulnerable is a, not always the most comfortable place to be, but the reward on the other side of that is exponential. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to, you have to go through it to get to the other side. And there's something that we say in therapy is that um, to get to where you want to be, you have to do the thing that scares you the most and that's going through it. Mm. So you're strong, you're capable, you're able, and you can do that. And I, I, I will offer this. I don't know if this is, you know, normal or well, what's normal. <laughs> I'll just say it. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, those of you who have followed me know I've, I've, I have gone through big T trauma and, and um, little T and all that kind of stuff. And I used to be bitter Ooh. and I used to be cranky that uh, a victim Ooh. below the line energy mm-hmm. victim mentality. And, um, and now, I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm going through some personal changes right now in my life and, and also, you know, COVID took out my speaking industry. I mean, there's just so many layers. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's weird that because of the work that I've done with professionals like you, it is still possible to find the joy and find the appreciation because I know now what I didn't know when I was struggling as teen mom, what I know now is that the things that I'm learning right now, the things that I'm experiencing are setting me up for something amazing mm-hmm. that I'll never be able to map, wrap my mind around mm-hmm. now in the future. Right. You're being prepared. Yeah. You're being prepared. You know, it's not fun. You don't even know what you need to know for the future yet, but it's happening. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's what God does. He teaches us through the hard times. He, he sculpts us mm-hmm. through the difficult times and it's hurt. It's painful. Very. It's very painful. Growth and learning usually comes through the hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we can, you can hang on to that to know how, how you're growing and how you're learning. And also to know the hard times don't last forever. Right. These things end and you come out stronger and better prepared on the other side, but you do have to keep walking. Yeah. And I know all of you don't get the opportunity to get a text message from Sharon on a day that you're having a bad day and asking how your day's going and to be able to be vulnerable, like not such a great day and getting that massive encouragement, but you can hire to hire her to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that, um, or whoever, like, you know, some people want to do it in person. So if, if there is somebody in your community, um, date, right. You don't have to marry the first person that you, that you meet with. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> check them out. Yeah. Check it out. Um, relationship is so important in therapy and uh, you may not find that that's a, the perfect fit for you. And that's fine. Your therapist will understand. There are just some personalities that don't click, give it a chance. And if you figure out that it's not going to work, tell the therapist that he or she will understand. And then boom, boom, there's, there's somebody out there for everybody. So it's all about, we as professionals just want people to be better. And if I can help you be better for wonder, better, wonderful. And if not, please let's go find somebody else who can help you out. Yeah. Awesome. 
So Sharon was gracious enough to be an expert for the Velvet Machete Leadership Society, our membership program that just really helps people step into their confidence as a leader um, and as just a human. Um, and so I asked her this question for that, but I wonder if you have a different answer. It could be the same. Okay. Could be different. What are, what is the parting advice that you have for our listeners or our YouTube watchers when we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, the trauma that we've experienced in our lives, stepping into our greatness, overcoming living two beliefs, that whole shebang. Mm -hmm. What is your parting advice? So the best way I know to put that is learn your personal truth. Find out in your heart of hearts, what is the truth about me, about who I am? When you know what that is, then you know what to accept or what to reject. You aren't vulnerable to what other people tell you, what they think you should be or that you're not. Learn who you are. Be very confident in that. Change that as you need to. If you need to learn and tweak, do that. But don't believe you are who people say you are. Believe who that you are in your heart of hearts. Live from that place. Stamp that on your forehead, please. (laughs) That That is the secret. That is the secret. Um, Sharon, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for, for inviting me. Thank you for being so wonderful and a bright light in my life. Mm, back at you. See, I'm going to get all teary. You guys just don't even understand how much I love this woman. I hope that I know that I know that was edifying to you and, um, you know, drop us a line, leave a comment, um, leave a rating and review and wherever you listen to your podcast or leave a comment on YouTube. Um, if you got this via email, email me back, tell me like, what was the nugget that Sharon said that you were like, ah, that's the missing piece, or that's what I need to do. And I will share that with Sharon as well. So she can understand the impact that she's had and, and what's happening in the lives of people because of her sharing her gift. Um, you know, we've got a lot coming up. We're working really hard on 2022 and what that looks like for you. Um, without question, this has been a ringtail tutor of an past 18 months mm-hmm. in my life, So, <laughs> but I'm still there with you. And I've got fabulous, smart friends like Sharon, and we just absolutely treasure that you've chosen to take your time to spend it with us, to learn and grow and develop yourself. And I will see you after you check the show notes at amberhurl.com forward slash podcast with an S. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Mentioned resources can be found at amberhurdle.com. Be sure to leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast app and subscribe so you never miss an update. As always, thank you to The Coup for our intro and outro music. See you next time.